0: you're listening to the don't suffer like us podcast hosted by kimberly Fujitaki and thea pichelle
1: hi i'm kimberly Fujitaki, and i am thea pichelle and today we are going to talk about i don't want to teach that i don't want to teach that there's so many things that you can teach as a yoga teacher Especially if you come from a background of learning about different yoga lineages, different styles of yoga, different philosophies around yoga, um, yoga as an eight limb path, or just physical asana practice. You know, pranayama, meditation. There's just so many things that we can teach, or that we can't teach or we don't want to teach. So I think that it's important for us to understand that we don't have to teach everything. I agree
0: and I think that sometimes when, depending on your training, will depend on what kind of messages you have about what you can teach or who you should teach or how you should teach. And I often would say to my my mentees or people who've done teacher training with me, That who or what you think you want to teach
1: now may differ by the end of your learning. Yeah. And how you teach over time is also going to change, you know. And it's important to remind yourself that just because you taught something one way doesn't mean that's the way you're going to teach it for forever. And also with new science and technology and just learning about more advanced biomechanics and anatomy The way that I was teaching in the very beginning when I first got out of teacher training and the way that I teach now is very, very different. So knowing what I don't wanna teach, even though my teachers taught me from their perspective, from the knowledge and experience that they have, which isn't necessarily wrong, it's just different than the way that I want to be teaching or sharing the messages of yoga practice with my students. So thinking about the things that I don't want to teach has helped me become more successful because now I know and can focus on the things that I do want to teach.
0: And I also think that there's an idea within the yoga community of what type of things that you must teach. And in order to be popular or successful, you have to tap into these spaces and these places. And if you're not doing it, then you're not going to be
1: embraced yeah you know and and you have to stand in the space of a teacher and be confident in the things that you want to share because if you're not it's very easy to fall into the expectations of what everyone else has for you the expectations of what you should be as a yoga teacher or what you should do and that doesn't necessarily align with everybody and how they want to teach So some things that you can think about as you try to ride this idea of these expectations on you to embrace your imperfection. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And your limitations, right?
0: For me, I'm not really into a lot of the new age elements of yoga. I'm very much into the history and the classical philosophy, but the modernization and how people will change things and offer, make an offering. For example, some of the things like handing out cards or manifestation. There's a lot of different things and different directions that yoga has gone into, especially in the last 20 years. And the initial teacher training I did had a lot of focus on new age things. Things that are very popular in North America, let's say, and made their way to Europe. And I mean, there's this cross-cultural exchange of, of woo-woo, right? And for me, I'm, I'm more of where science meets spirituality. Why do we have these stories that keep coming up? And how do they apply in our modern life? I don't care about the tarot. I don't care about manifestation cards. I know that that resonates with some people. And there's teachers that provide that. So in the past, when I've covered for teachers who do those type of things, I don't do those type of things. And I've had people say, well, so-and-so does it. And I was like, you know, that person... Is a great teacher, and this is what they offer. This is what I offer. And they still left happy, but I didn't compromise who I was and what I present in order to fulfill their idea of who a teacher should be.
1: And I think that that's important. It's important to stand in your confidence, and it's important to know the teacher that you are. And especially in the beginning, it's very easy to want to. know copy your teachers you know do what they do and and learn from them by replicating what it is that their messages but as a teacher and as you find yourself and what you want to share you will improve on how you deliver your messages, what things you do want to share, what things that make sense to you and really help you in your life and your students in front of you. So having that value as a teacher and trying things out, there's going to be imperfect things. There's going to be opportunities where we hit a home run and others where we get the foul balls. So we really have to be just open to the journey about what things Are helpful in us in our teaching and focus on who we are as teachers instead of who others are as teachers too. Mm -hmm.
0: One of the things is improving through your failures right because it's really amazing to do something and be successful and then repeat that but ultimately there's some failures and for me a big failure was the first retreat I ran which had amazing people and it was great I stepped into a space that I wasn't strong in So I read March Percy's Barbie doll poem. I was so excited about it because I've always wanted to use it, you know, facilitate a dialogue regarding that. And that just derailed into this spiral of body negativity. And I was not equipped. And I mean, the story goes on and on, but (laughs) I'll just start with I was not equipped. And going from that moment further, I was like, okay, this is not my niche. This is not an area that I should speak to. Because even though I think it's an amazing poem, there's a lot of back history for others. For me, I'm a feminist, so it's a ownership of body, right? Like not being a part, being chopped up into parts and that being the representation of who you are. You are enough as you are. But ultimately that's not, I don't think that was the takeaway for some people there. That was a huge, huge pain point for me. And it took months to recover because some of the dynamics that went into play there had a negative impact on the relationships with my students. I didn't do anything directly, but other relationships that had manifested and different things that came about created this rift. And I had to do a lot of cleanup, basically, because I wasn't the person to facilitate that.
1: And the only way that you would have that experience and know about it it was to do it sometimes mm-hmm. you know and i think that that's what's really hard is that it, as teachers we're gonna fall flat on our face we're gonna make big mistakes where we feel like oh my god how am i gonna get back into the practice room and keep teaching and stand up in front of people and say that i'm an authority when i don't know everything because you don't have to know everything mm-hmm. you are still a leader and still a teacher without knowing Every single thing. How can we know everything about yoga in its vast, amazing history and how it lands for people is so different? And mm-hmm. so being kind to ourselves and the process of like learning from our imperfections and, and being able to say, no, I'm not the facilitator of that. I don't want to do that again. It's not for me. That's a really big part of you, you know, you grow from a lot of that pain that yes. you have to really see. And be first-hand in it. Yeah. And I'm I'm a good lesson for
0: what not to do. Because I've done a lot of things that I was just not doing. (laughs) But part of it is part of the growth in trying. Because if you don't try, you don't know. And if you're going to keep doing this, you have to be willing to be uncomfortable.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. The discomfort is where we are continuously growing from you know and my teacher used to always say you know have this really beautiful vision talking about you know the lotus the lotus is growing from the mud it's growing from the adversity the challenges like this beautiful flower grows from such adversity sometimes and and that's what happens is that you have to go through a lot to get onto the other side and maybe we can help you avoid some of it. <laughs> exactly. So just knowing that because you learned it doesn't mean you have to teach it, I think is a huge thing that I I like to share with my teacher trainees too because you know, people come to teacher training and they think I'm going to be this teacher like, you know, they know so much, they're so wonderful at what they do, and I felt this way about my teachers as well. But at the same time, You can't be your teacher, you're you. Regardless of how much, and imagine, your teacher goes through how much training, how many hours of sitting in front of students, how often do they spend time and continuing education and all this. You can't be your teacher because they have a different set of skills and a different life than you do. Mm -hmm. And you're gonna be the teacher that you are. Learn from them and take the things that you need from their teachings and that resonate with you and be your own teacher. Learn what you want to share and learn what you don't want to share and share from the space where you feel comfortable.
0: And I think also, you know, you have to try different things. Next, we're going to talk about, no, I don't want to teach that. I'm going to tell you something I don't want to teach. I do not want to teach early morning classes. I do not like people until after 10 a.m. I'm a pretty people person, but even back in the day when I worked in the film industry and I went to work at 7, I went to work at 7 so that I'd have time to adjust by the time my colleague showed up at 9 or 10.
1: I don't like to people before 10 a.m. So making sure that you know what things you want and what things you don't want. Being okay with telling people no and saying that, that's not something that you would like to offer, if it's not something you want to teach, you know, creating your voice.
0: I taught an 8 a.m. class for like over a year, and it was so hard for me. My students didn't know that I hate mornings, you know, because I'm not like, I hate mornings, hello, you're the reason I'm here. But it was really hard for me, and eventually I told the studio owner that this doesn't work for me. I'll hold on to it until you can get someone else, but you need to get someone who this time period Resonates with
1: yeah, and that you know, you have to let go of things that don't serve you if that 8 o'clock class isn't serving you Sometimes I had classes that were going until 9 o'clock at night and for some people That's perfectly fine But for others like me is not a great opportunity for me to be teaching from 8 o'clock in the morning until 9 o'clock at night, which is generally what would end up happening because I teach in a school setting where during the day we have children's yoga classes and then in the evening I would teach prenatal or restorative or yoga nidra and it would be a really long day for me and and you know I had to start to say no to those things because it wasn't nourishing me as a teacher and if I'm not nourished as a teacher I'm not gonna be at my best for my students and that's a disservice for them so I need to say no and I need to create my schedule in a way that that helps to support me in my life And also to support my students and and what they need as well.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And letting go. Sometimes it just gets to a point that
0: it's no longer serving you. It's no longer serving your students. And it can be really uncomfortable to let go. Kimberly and I don't really like letting go.
1: Yeah, and you know, I've personally have held on to a lot of things for a lot longer than I should have potentially. I like to stick around. I like to overcommit. (laughs) I have been the person who will show up over and over and over again. And sometimes it's really, really difficult for me to say, I don't want to do this anymore. But I have to listen inward and pay attention to the signs and the signals because now I know better. And so I need to do better. It's a similar
0: personality trait that we both have. We do tend to overcommit. And that's caused a lot of suffering. But I think over the years, we both have gotten better at it. Yeah. Not overcommitting. Better at letting go when it's time. Better at recognizing the signs when it is time to go. So
1: just because you learned it doesn't mean you have to teach it. So as you navigate teaching, you're going to find options and opportunities. Mm -hmm. Kimberly keeps talking about options and opportunities. And the difference
0: between an option and an opportunity is an opportunity is something that's going to nourish you and offer you either help replenish you or offer you other things in the future. An option is just something that is available. So, for example, I taught an 8 a.m. class because it was available. It was an option. It wasn't an opportunity. It didn't lead to anything else. So it's about figuring out what's an option, what's an opportunity. And I believe Kimberly and I both have been offered teaching various workshops that didn't resonate with us. And they would be options.
1: So just making sure that you notice what things you want to be a part of and that you have integrity in making those choices. Because nobody can really tell you if it's an opportunity or an option. You have to be able to decipher whether those things are going to uplift your business or create challenges within you and if you settle for a lot of options
0: what will happen is resentment will build up because it's not really what you want to do it's not really what's resonating with you it's just what's coming along it's like dating that person that's a bad match and you know they're a bad match but you just don't want to be alone you don't want to carry that into your practice there's always going to be options and opportunities and so it's about creating more space for opportunities and allowing yourself
1: to limit your options so when you notice your imperfections you find a way to say no when you need to and you realize that just because you learn it doesn't mean that you have to teach it you can say i don't want to to teach those things and you'll feel more passionate about what you are teaching And you'll understand how good you are at doing those things. And that's a really valuable place to be in as a teacher is to do the things that light you up. And when you're doing those things that aren't lighting you up and you're doing things just because
0: it's the expectation or what you learned, that's the type of person that burns out quickly. Because you can't continue to keep the fire burning if you're throwing gasoline on it. It's going to explode and then it's going to go away. To keep your fire, the tapas, right, the, the Agni lit, you want to slowly add the wood, the kindling, the, the pa- those opportunities, those things that you can say no to so that you can have this robust,
1: healthy, warming light within. So as you think of these things and think about what you want to teach and how you want to teach and what practices maybe you don't want to teach, just keep in mind to give yourself time. To be able to let things settle, to meditate on them, to practice teaching them, to notice how you connect to the materials that you want to share with others.
0: And even if you think, oh my god, I am so passionate about this. I love this so much. I want to share it. And then down the road, your passion changes. That's okay. You don't have to teach the same thing as you did the first time. You know, and you just adapt to your growing needs and the needs of your
1: community. And more than likely, you won't teach it the same. I mean, the more I know, the less I know.
0: (laughs) And the more you know, the more contradictions you will find. Each lineage of yoga was taught by bodies that could do those specific things or those minds that had the tendency to do those certain things. And so, as you come to these learnings, you'll find that, you know, what they say in Ashtanga is gonna be different than what they say in Iyengar or what forest yoga says. You're gonna find all these contradictions and people are gonna be like, no, that's the wrong way. But it's really about sifting through and finding what, what resonates because they're all we're all teaching the same thing. But the way it's manifesting and the way we're sharing it is going to be different. And that means we don't have to teach the things that we don't want to because there's plenty of people out in the world
1: teaching that. Exactly. So we hope you find what you want to teach and that this podcast was helpful in deciphering maybe a few things that might have been on your mind. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Don't forget to join us next week for another episode of Don't Suffer Like Us. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Don't Suffer Like Us to join the conversation. For more information regarding Kimberly Fujitaki's Little Heroes Yoga Teacher Training, visit www.littleheroesyoga.com. If you are interested in finding out more about Yoga Nidra and Guided Imagery Teacher Training with Thea Pichel, visit www.theapichel.com teacher training. Sign up for Module 1 to learn the craft and skill of leading amazing meditation sessions. Or sign up for the entire 85-hour journey beginning February 28th in North Orange County, California. Thank you for listening.